This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Easter Sunday, April 20th, 2014. Amazing emptiness. Good morning, Connection Community Church. Happy Easter to each one of you. That video just fires me up. It gives me such hope. I hope it blessed you as well. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It is great to worship with all of you here. Anyone that might be in the garage, we are one church, three locations today, here, garage, and over at the firehouse. Is that good news or what? Woo! Amen. 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 Let's pray. God, thank you. This is the day that you have made. And it's no accident that each one of us are here, whether we realize it or not. You're the one who nudged us to just show up. So God, I would ask for you to open up our hearts that we might learn something, experience something, and be transformed by your love, your amazing love. I pray this in the name of God the Father, Jesus Christ, the risen Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. So uh, empty, um, do you ever notice how that word empty always seems to have or most of the time seems to have negative connotations. Um, you know, if someone says, my bank account is empty, that's probably not a good thing, right? Or if, if you're going to fix dinner, let's say you're going to fix Easter dinner today, and you looked in the refrigerator and the pantry were both empty, you probably wouldn't have much of an Easter dinner, would you? Kind of a negative thing. Um, you know, when I was a kid... <laughs> when I was told to empty the dishwasher or empty the trash, I thought that was a really negative thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> I was coming up Route 1 from Smyrna, and I felt a little hitch in the engine. Just a little, just a little tiny hitch. And I felt that before too many times. The challenge wasn't the hitch, it was the phone call I was going to have to make to Carrie in which I said, uh, because it wasn't the first call at the time I called her from Route 1 with the same thing. <laughs> Carrie, I hate to tell you, but the gas cage on my car reads, empty! <laughs> empty. Can, can you just say that I reacted okay? <laughs> that I exercised the fruits of the Spirit? You were a dutiful, loving wife. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> you ever notice, like, if you're a positive person, you know, a possibility thinker, the glass is always half full. But if you're a pessimist, a negative thinker, the glass is always half empty. And when it could be a positive, we change the word we use. For example, uh, when you need to see somebody really important, they say, you know, I've got to meet with you. You don't, you know, look at your phone and say, my schedule's empty, but you say, let me clear my schedule. Or how about if you're a pilot and it's like, Roger, 
The runway is empty. Roger, 10-4. I thought that sounded good. Can I have a little support here? Okay. I don't know. I'd like to be in the pilot seat sometime or next to him anyway, but they don't say it's empty. They say the runway is clear, don't they? Absolutely. So empty is not always good, but that changes today. That changes today. We are here to tell you some good news today, that empty is not only good, that empty is great. Can you say empty is great? Empty, empty is, is great. great. In fact, today, empty is amazing. The amazing emptiness. Mm. So last Sunday, and again, last Thursday night, we talked about how Jesus was arrested, beaten, crucified, how he died, and then was buried in a, uh, in a tomb cut from, uh, freshly cut from the rock. A large stone was rolled across the entrance to that tomb. And as far as everyone there was concerned, the Roman soldiers, the, the church leaders, the bloodthirsty crowd, Jesus' followers, Jesus' very close followers, the disciples, as far as anyone there was concerned, Jesus was dead and gone. Amen? Dead and gone. It was over. They'd had a good three-year run, and, and, and even though Jesus had told them what to expect, even though he told them what was going to happen, and it came just like he said, even though all that was true, when the rock rolled over the entrance to the tomb, as far as everyone there was concerned, it was the end of the story. But here's something you got to remember. Not just today, but today and every day. When Jesus is in the picture, it's never over. Even when it appears to be over. Can you say that with me? When Jesus is in the picture, it's never over. Even when it appears to be over. So today, our lesson in the Bible the truth of scripture comes from the book of Mark. Mark is in the second half of the in the Bible. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, and we're going to look at chapter 16. Here we go. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's gone before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly, and they fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So let's unpack this a little bit today. Start with a little uh, background. The Jews did not embalm the dead. 
but it was custom, it was an act of love and service to anoint the body, to anoint the dead body with spices. The three women in this story, the Marys, they had been unable to do that when Jesus died because he was buried just before the start of the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath started Friday night at sundown and went to Saturday night at sundown. And so they waited, excuse me, they waited until the Sabbath was over. They weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. You're going to need to take over. (coughs) Okay. Um, So, um, as the passage points out, they even had to wait until the Sabbath was over to even purchase the spices that they were going to use to anoint the body. That, that, That would have taken place like Saturday night after sundown, after the Sabbath was over. And then early the next morning, the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Easter morning, this morning, they came to the tomb after sunrise in order to honor Jesus by anointing him with the spices. But here's the thing. What did they expect to find when they got to the tomb? They expected to find his dead body, amen? Otherwise, why were they going with the spices? That's, they expected to see a dead body, Jesus' body there. They had seen him die on the cross. They had seen where his body was laid <clears throat> after he took his last breath. They, they had seen the tomb. The stone had been rolled over the entrance, a very large stone. It was round like a wheel, flat on the front and back, and it was rolled in a groove and kind of down a little incline from what I understand. So it was easy to roll in place, but really difficult to roll back because you had to kind of roll it up a slight incline to get it out of there. The, the women on the way to the tomb wondered how they were going to get that heavy stone out of the way. And, and so they could get inside so they could accomplish their task. They didn't know how they were going to anoint that body. Unsure of, <clears throat> of how they would get in the tomb, the one thing they were sure of when they got there was this, that what they would find was the dead body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so arriving at the grave, imagine their shock and surprise to find that the stone was rolled away and the entrance was open. Upon entering that tomb, they found it empty, absolutely empty of the body that they were seeking to anoint. And instead, they saw a young man dressed in white claws sitting on the right side. Now, in another version of Scripture that tells about the resurrection of Christ, the book of Matthew, Matthew identifies this person as an angel of the Lord. And this person tells them, the women, to not be alarmed, that the one that they are seeking, the one who they're seeking, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, is risen. That's what he said. He's risen. He's not there. And so he showed them the place where the body would have been, and it was gone. It was empty. So this man tells the tells the woman, the women, to instruct the disciples, and especially Peter. I find that pretty humorous. The disciples, and especially Peter, that Jesus was going ahead of them in Galilee. And here's the incredible part, that they would see Jesus there. Mm. And so it tells us the women got out of there quick. 
Do you blame them? <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It's just hit me right now. I've heard this story <laughs> about 58 years in a row here, you know? And maybe some of you have. And it's really, okay, that's the story. It's not just a story. You know, they, the women really expected to find a dead body, and it's not taken. It was gone because it had physically resurrected. We're not talking about spirit, you know, spirit. The body had physically risen from the dead. Isn't that just mind-boggling? Isn't that amazing? And so well, no wonder they got it out of there quick. Wouldn't we too? Uh, your, their, their heads must have been spinning. We expect this, and we find this. It tells us they were trembled, they trembled, and they were amazed. Turn to the person next to you and say, they were amazed. They were amazed. They were amazed. Here's why they trembled. They trembled because they were so off, taken so off guard. You know, there was a big gap between what they expected and what they found, between the comfortable and the fearful, between the natural and the supernatural, which is what occurred there. They were amazed by the emptiness. The emptiness. You know, on the one day, they're empty. They were spent. They'd been there watching this guy that they loved just uh, crucified. I mean, just... Uh, they saw him in agony and in pain. So at the end of that day, they had to be physically drained. They had to be emotionally spent. They were empty. And then here, this is a whole different emptiness, isn't it? As they look in the tomb and they realize, he, re he resurrected. Isn't that mind-boggling? How would you, that doesn't make sense to us. It's crazy. Way different emptiness. Amazing emptiness of that tomb. Amazing because the one they expected to find was not there. Risen. Resurrection. That's the word we use, isn't it? Resurrection. When the physical body rises up from the dead, leaving an amazing emptiness in that tomb. They weren't ready for that kind of emptiness. They expected a body, not an empty tomb. They expected dead, not resurrected life. Has something like that ever happened to you? I'm not talking about going to the empty tomb physically, but things in your life so empty, so messed up, so chaotic that you can't even imagine anything different. Have, have you ever experienced or felt such hopelessness that you just can't see it changing, and all you see is death, so to speak. Maybe not physical death, but death in a form of a, we'll talk more about it, death where resurrection, new life, is the farthest thing from your mind. You know, he tried to tell uh, his followers what was going to happen. He tried to prepare them for what was coming, that these events were going to happen that it had to occur, that he had to die, and that after death there would be resurrection. He tried to tell them. And, and when he shared with his disciples, Peter says, uh, uh, that's never going to happen to you, Jesus. Well, why would Peter say that? Well, because I think it's because Peter's a whole lot like us. And, and, and because we like to live in a world where things like that don't happen, don't we? We want God to give us a world that, in which bad things don't happen, where sickness doesn't happen, where pain doesn't happen, where ultimately death doesn't happen. Amen? 
That's what we wish for. We always wish God will come in and rescue before the bad things come. That's what we pray for. God, take it away, make it happen different. We like a world in which God steps in before it goes that far, before it gets completely, in our minds, helpless. But that's not our reality, is it? There are times we live in a world that there is emptiness, there is death, there is loss, there is sickness. Things happen where we just don't want them to happen, and they do. Life is tough. I see so many of your faces, and we all go through these things that are so deep and so tough, and we just wish they wouldn't happen. I recently received um, some pretty bad news that my dad has a very, very serious uh, medical concern. And I'm not ready for that. My mom just passed away. I'm at the beginning of that grief journey, and now we're looking at a potential very tough year ahead. Ready or not, we got the news. You know, Jesus said on the cross, you know, if you can, God, take this cup from me. And, you know, if there's any way that he didn't have to go to the cross, he said, you know, take this cup. But then he said, Lord, not my will, but your will. And so the message of Easter, the glory of Easter, is this. Even though death occurs, even though sickness occurs, even though there's horrible, horrible things that we wish didn't occur, that we wish didn't happen, the truth is, is that the tomb is empty, Christ is risen, and empty is not a negative thing. In this case, the emptiness of the tomb gives all of us hope. It gives us hope that we are never alone, no matter what no matter what we experience. And why is that? Why is the empty tomb so amazing? In my situation regarding my dad, well, pure and simple, it brings hope. It brings hope for healing, however God chooses to heal, here in this life and certainly healing in heaven. And he's a believer and he loves Jesus Christ and so he will see him face to face and that gives me hope. That gives me hope and I know I know that no matter what happens ahead, that Christ walks with us. There's a song that is familiar to those of us who hang out in church. Because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That is true. That is absolute truth. No matter what life brings, no matter what tomorrow brings, the empty tomb proves to us here today that when we think it's over, when we think it's like done, every bone in our body says no hope, dark, that is not the case. It's never over when Jesus is in the picture. Amen. So maybe you're sitting here with us this morning and there's something dying in your life, or maybe it's already been dead for a while. Maybe it's a relationship. 
maybe even a marriage. Maybe it's an uh, aspect of your health. Or maybe it's your identity. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, an aspect of who you always thought you were uh, needs a change because of maybe your situation or maybe who you wanted to be, and it's not working out. Maybe you had a job that's dying, or maybe a career that's dead. Here's the thing. No matter what it is that's dying or dead, keep this in mind, not just today, but every day of your life. Nothing, and this is what the empty, empty, uh, amazingly empty tomb proves to us today. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is beyond God's ability to breathe new life into it. Even the dead body of Jesus Christ. I don't care how dead something appears, it's not beyond the hope that God offers. It's not beyond God's, God's resurrection power, whether it's been dead five minutes or it's been dead 50 years. It's not beyond God's resurrection power. He can breathe new life into it. And so that's what the empty tomb, that's why it is so amazing because it shows us that the dead areas, the difficult areas in our lives can be resurrected. They're all in God's hands every single moment of our lives, just in the palm of God's hand. The empty tomb reminds us that death is never the end of the story, that it has no sting, but there is new life, resurrection power that can come into each one of our lives here on earth, right here, right now. Mm. You know, when Carrie and I were in seminary, there was a, um, one of the vice presidents was from Korea, and so we, had, we were supposed to take an immersion experience in some culture other than ours, and they'd arranged a trip to Korea, very, uh, unbelievably reasonably priced, and the two of us were able to go for two or three weeks, wow. And here was an interesting thing. There's the largest uh, Methodist church in the world's there, about 75,000 members, and they have a, a prayer mountain, their own mountain. And you go up the path that is prayer mountain, and there are little prayer stations representing different aspects of Jesus' life and ministry. And there right at the top, of course, is the cross. Yeah? So you stop at the cross and pray. The problem is a lot of people just stop at the cross and pray and then come back down. But if you look carefully... There's a little path that winds on up the hill, on up the mountain. And if you take that little path, you come to an empty tomb. See, the point is, too many people stop at the cross and they never get to the empty tomb. You gotta, you gotta get to the tomb. You can't stop at the cross. I mean, I know Jesus died on the cross for our sin, <clears throat> But if you stop at the cross, death wins. Amen? If you stop at the cross, death's the victor. But we know death isn't the victor, don't we? Death, where is thy sting? It's gone, baby, because of the empty tomb. Because of that amazing emptiness on Easter morning, we know that nothing is beyond God's resurrection power. You might be going, well... I don't know about the cross and the grave. Well, Jesus died for you, and he resurrected for you. And, and if that's not part of your life, we encourage you today to pray. Here's a simple prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. 
I can't save myself. I recognize you as the Savior. Please save me. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. It's an invitation for Jesus to be a part of your life. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I, can anybody here save themselves? I'll tell you the answer, no. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. Lord, please save me. Please come into my life. If you'd like help with that prayer, Mike and Maria love to pray with you. Amen. Come up to the steps, pray from your seat. If you don't know that prayer, if you don't know that relationship with Jesus, I encourage you, why wait another minute? Maybe some of you already said that prayer and you're walking with Jesus. But maybe there's something in your life that's dead or dying. Not everything. Some things maybe just need a little healing, but dead or dying, and you need a resurrection moment. I encourage you to pray, God, I need some resurrection in my life. Don't you think if God could raise Jesus from the dead that he can take care of what needs resurrecting in your life? Can I get an amen? amen? I guarantee you. If God sees that it's important to be resurrected, God will resurrect that in your life. He raised Jesus. He can certainly take care of that. Amazing uh, emptiness of that tomb. We celebrate that today. And we know because of that that God can raise anything from the dead. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow, what a great day. We celebrate this, this amazingly empty tomb, this amazing emptiness. And we know in that emptiness that we too, uh, <clears throat> in our emptiness, we know that you can bring new life, that you can bring resurrection. <coughs> that you can bring new hope. I pray that each one here would know a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that through your Holy Spirit you would visit us here today and help us to realize who he is and what he means to us. Please open us to Christ and your Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website, at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.